0: yeah thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you for those of you who are crazy enough to brave the weather to be here this morning. Thank you to those of you who are tuning in online watching the service at home with family. Um, my, yeah my name is Joe, and I get to lead our high school and young adult ministries here and we are continuing our message series called exhausted and here 's something that i 've noticed is exhausted really this this is for adults <clears throat> it 's not kids who are exhausted, and i 'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Um, as a toddler, your punishment was to go to your room. Now for me, that's like a vacation, right? That's my goal most days is to get to my room because that's where my bed is, right, so I can rest. Think about it, gifts for a kid. Skateboard, bike, football, gifts for adults. Robe, tempur pillow, hammock, okay? We're tired, right? I got a hammock for Father's Day once because my kids know like, Dad, you need to lay down, all right, you're exhausted. Uh, as a, as a kid, too, what was a punishment? Or, you know, we, we hated taking a nap, right? It almost felt like a punishment. Now, that I've got like a black belt in napping. You, I mean, I could fall asleep right now. You, uh, have you ever done this? You're like cleaning your house or something, you're like, I'm just going to sit down and rest for just a minute. Game over. You're going to be out like a light. Or watching. have you ever watching football with your dad, and he's like, hey, I'm just going to rest my eyes for a minute? Your eyes don't need rest. You're just tired. You're exhausted, all right? We're tired, and that's just how it is. Uh, and here's one of the reasons I think we're tired is because we're so busy, so busy, all the time. You you meet somebody or you talk to somebody you haven't seen in a while and you're like, hey, how have you been? What's, what do they usually say? Oh, we're so busy, you know? Work's been crazy, I've got my kids in tons of sports, we're remodeling the bathroom, and it's just like we're so busy all the time. And some of it we can't really do anything about. Some of the busyness, we, there's nothing we can do. Uh, but I hope that this series has helped you to take some steps towards a greater sense of peace, as well as um, some attention to our souls in the midst of the busy lives that we live. And so far, we've looked at how living at a faster pace than we were created for can lead to an exhausted life. And we've looked at how compromising our character can lead to exhaustion as well, too. Here's why. Because we know that this is who I should be, okay, but this is who I am. And so there's a gap between who I should be and who I am because of some compromise in my life, maybe a lack of integrity. So we exhaust ourselves, expending energy trying to cover up that gap to to make us look like somebody we're not. And that can be exhausting as well, too. Well, today, we're going to talk about another topic that can lead to exhaustion, and it's people-pleasing, which is interesting because I wasn't supposed to be here today teaching. Um, it, I was, I, Pastor Jay was supposed to be here, and he wasn't able to, and then I was going to do it, and then they were like, no, we'll have Pastor Todd do it, and then Pastor Todd. So I, I'm here to, this morning for a special reason. I felt like as I was preparing for this message, man, God really spoke to my heart because a lot of this I struggle with. Now, if you're not quite sure if you're a people pleaser or not, let me give you a couple signs. You might be a people pleaser if you look for ways to agree with others even though deep down you disagree. Maybe you're, you apologize and you're super sensitive to criticism. You know, somebody will come up to me and they're like, hey, do you take constructive criticism? And I'm like already crying and I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, or have you ever had somebody be like, look, man, we need to talk. And I'm like, okay, what's up? They're like, I can't do it right now. Let's talk tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're talking right now. I want to know what's going on. Uh, if you can't stand the thought of somebody being angry with you, or I'm sorry, you, it's really hard for you to say no to people because you're afraid you're going to upset them, you're going to disappoint them. Uh, maybe you can't stand the thought of somebody being angry with you, or you avoid conflict at all costs. And maybe that makes you passive, and you don't want to rock the boat, you know, you don't want to ruffle any feathers, so you just kind of don't ever disagree or argue. Or the, the last one is, you feel responsible as to how other how other, people's fe- how other people feel, even though, um, so you do whatever you can to try to keep the peace. Now, you might be listening, and if you're like me, you're like, okay, check, check, check. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely into that, right? Now, on the surface, many of those things don't really seem like bad things. I mean, none of us want people to be angry with us, and we want to try to live at peace with other people. So how do you know you've crossed the line between just you know, kind of being a normal person over to you know, the people-pleasing crowd? Well, I'll give you a couple ways you can tell, because a people-pleaser is a person that lives to be liked and accepted. That is the goal of their life. And then they will make decisions based upon that and actions based upon that. Or they're controlled by the fear of what people think. And so then that leads them to doing whatever it takes to earn or maintain the approval of others. I want you to listen to uh, what the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, wrote in, in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 29, 25. He says this, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Now, you might, you might be listening, you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm a people pleaser, but Joe, I don't really think it's because I fear people. But I think what happens is many times our need to please people comes out of a sense of fear. Maybe we fear what other people think about us. Or we, we, fear, we fear letting someone down if we, if we say no to them or if we don't follow through. Or we fear what would happen if we said no. Fearing, fearing the response that we'll get if we say something difficult to somebody, something that might hurt their feelings. And Solomon says that this is a dangerous, fearing people is a dangerous trap. And the, the Old Testament word here is a snare. which was used to catch a small animal or or a bird. And so we become trapped because we're trying to make everybody happy. We're trying to make everybody happy. We become trapped by other people's opinions of us. And when we do that, we start to make choices that we wouldn't normally make or worse, choices that actually compromise what we say we believe or our faith in Christ. And so I'm going to ask you, do you ever feel trapped by insecurity or by fear? Maybe Maybe you're trapped in that now. And and if I said you know there, there's a way to be free from that once and for all would you would you want to hear that? Well, if so, then it's time to hear from the apostle Paul. And if you have your Bible or, or you want to use the YouVersion app on your phone, we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter 2 today. Uh, we'll also have the text on the screen and online as well, too, if you want to follow along on the screen. But we're going to, we're going to, talk, we're going to hear from Apostle, the Apostle Paul. This was a guy whose life was radically changed by an encounter with Jesus. He went from a, a persecutor of Christians to somebody who was used powerfully by God to spread the word of Christ, to spread the gospel. He helped so many people discover Jesus. He helped plant several churches, and he wrote almost a third of the New Testament. But one of the things that I admire about Paul was his boldness and his courage when it came to proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Because he was so secure in his as, as his status as God's child and as a follower of Christ that he was not swayed by the opinions of other people. Paul did not fear other people. Paul was not a people pleaser. And as a result of this, he lived his life unrestricted in his quest to live his life for God's glory. So I want to take you to a letter that he wrote. It's, it's the letter of the uh, Thessalonians, first Thessalonians, that focuses on the toxicity of people-pleasing and how we can overcome that once and for all. So Paul writes this, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. He goes on, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Because he alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. So Paul lays it out very clearly that he, his mission was to please God and not to please people. And here's what happens when, we, when, unlike Paul, we do try to please people. First, it causes us to miss God's purpose for our lives. Paul says this, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Paul didn't consume himself with pleasing people because he knew his greatest, his greatest goal, his greatest purpose was to please God. And, and you might say, okay, yeah, well, that was Paul. He was an apostle, of course. That's, that's, what he, that's what his goal was. But no, that's the same purpose for you and I as well, too regardless of what you're called to do in this life. Because when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, hey, love God, love others. That's, that's our purpose. But the first one was to love God. And so whether you're a student, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're an accountant, um, a construction worker, an office manager, a stay-at-home parent, a business owner, a tattoo artist, a barista, or even a pastor, our main purpose is to know God to love God, and to live for him, to live to please him. And the amazing thing is here is that when we're focused on pleasing God, we will find rest because we will be living our purpose, which in turn will free us from the pressure of living to try to please everyone else. Paul said something else similar to a, to a letter to the Galatian church. He says this in uh, Galatians 1.10, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. Because if people, pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul is saying here, look, there's two ways. You can either please people or you can please God. Now, for me and probably a lot of you, I try to ride like right down the middle, right? Like I want to please God, but I also find myself pleasing people. But Paul is saying, no, 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 you're on one side or the other. There isn't, there isn't a middle ground here. And so I want to make it my goal in life to please God, Above pleasing people, because really that's where true freedom lies. The moment that I, that I do the opposite, the moment that I fo- put my focus on pleasing people, you get on this never-ending cycle. All right, Because as soon as you please someone, there's another person. Or, or it seems like every time you try to reach this goal of pleasing people, as soon as you get close, that goal moves further away and you get trapped in this cycle. Now that doesn't mean that we don't love people, that we don't care for people, or we don't work to give people joy. And in fact, when we understand our standing with God, uh, that we are already approved by him because of what Jesus did, and our purpose is to please him, then those other things fall in line with it. Because it pleases God when we honor and we care for our spouse, and for our kids, for our parents, for our families, for our friends. It pleases God when we humble ourselves to serve other people. And it pleases God when we make sacrifices so that we can ensure another person's success. When we love God, it will lead to us loving others as well. Here's how that happens. In one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, John 15, Jesus is talking about how he's the vine and we're the branches. All right, And that if we abide in him and his words abide in us, so essentially if we stay connected to Jesus, his love... Will flow into us. And i and he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will produce much fruit. Now he's not talking about oranges or, or apples. What he's talking about is spiritual fruit. And you might say, Well, what's the spiritual fruit? Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul addresses that in Galatians 5:22. He says, The fruit of the Spirit is this, and the first one is love. So when we stay close to Jesus, the love that we receive from him flows out into other people. So when we, when we are close to God, it will lead us to loving others well. And in fact, I would say this. If you really want to know how good your relationship is with Christ, look at how you treat other people. Look at how you treat your family. Look at how you treat your coworkers. Look at how you treat the server at the restaurant that you go to today. Look at how you'll treat that person who's driving under the speed limit in the passing lane on 250 to church this morning. How do you treat those people? Because the way that you treat other people is the litmus test for your relationship with Christ. So what do we do? How do we get out of this cycle of people-pleasing? Well, instead of living for the approval of people, live in the acceptance of Jesus. Because unlike trying to please people, Jesus, if you have placed your faith in him, is already pleased with you because of who he is, not because of what we do. Remember what Proverbs says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. So instead of fearing people, I trust God with my life. And trust here means to place To place one's trust or have confidence and to lean on. Are you trusting in God and in his acceptance? Because this kind of life leads to safety. Uh, Some versions of this part of of the text here will say that those who trust the Lord will be exalted. And exalted means lifted up. In the context, it's saying to be inaccessibly high. Too high to be captured. Out of the reach of the trap or snare. So when we love God... We will be completely out of, the, out of the reach of a trapper snare, which is, which is trying to please people. But our security and our safety has to, have to come from Jesus. Because the closer I am to Jesus, the less insecurity I have, and the less I will be trapped into trying to please other people. And so secondly, Paul tells us this, that people-pleasing causes hypocrisy. He goes on, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Maybe we all have that friend or those friends, you know that the reason they hang around is because they're hoping to get something out of us, you know, fair weather friends. But Paul says that's what pleasing people is. And when we live to please people, what happens is we'll end up making compromise. Maybe you'll say things, often things that aren't true, to try to flatter that person because you want them to like you. And and you'll you'll do things and you'll become someone that really don't fall in line with who we are as with who we are as followers of Christ and with our values and with our faith. And as a result, we become two-faced. We become actors, pretenders, or what what Jesus called hypocrisy, hypocrites. And I have to be honest, I wonder if this sometimes is a big reason that maybe our families, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates don't want to come to church with us. Because who we are on a Sunday morning can be so different from who we are the rest of the week. There's this joke, and I've probably told it before, about this pastor, and his, he's getting ready for church on Sunday, and, and his family's getting ready, and his, his son comes up to him, and he goes, Hey, Dad, can we do something different today? And the, the pastor's like, Yeah, sure, son. What do you want to do? He goes, Could you be nice to us and mean to the people at church? Which is funny, but there's some truth there. Because there's been so many times on a Sunday morning... When you know we're running late because my kids aren't getting dressed fast enough and we're in the car and I'm yelling at them and yelling at my son to tie his shoes and we're arguing and as soon as we get in the door, hey, praise Jesus, everything's great, you know, and we're so fake. And I wonder sometimes, because we, don't, we want people to be happy with us, that we don't want them to see our mess, that, that reveals some hypocrisy in us. And maybe that's the reason that people don't, don't want to come to church with us because they think it's fake. And so... For those, And so if you feel like people-pleasing has led you to become maybe someone you don't like, somebody you're not, maybe you've fallen into some hypocrisy, then what I want us to do is a few things. First, I want us to, to invite us to slow down, to let God examine our hearts and invite godly accountability into our lives. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this in two parts. The first is this. Our purpose is to please God, not to please people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. You see, what I have to remember is that at the end of my life, I'm not going to stand... Before any of the people that I've tried to please, I'm going to stand before God. And what happens is too often, we don't figure out that we're living hypocritically until we do something to damage our life. We don't realize that we're compromising our values, our character, and our faith until a thousand compromises later. Now we're doing something that we swore we would never do in an effort to try to please people. So Paul knows this, and he knows that the only way to fix this is to invite God in to know us intimately and to point out any way that we are trapped in trying to please people. One of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms is Psalm 139, verses 24 and 25. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. i got to ask you, would you be willing to pray that to God because here's the thing is it's scary. Would you really be willing to say, God, you know, if there's some junk in here, if there's some, some sin in my heart, some hypocrisy in my life, some people-pleasing going on, would you point that out to me? And it's scary because of this because I thought, well, I'll do that, sure, and then God will just bring to my mind those things and I'll change them. But that's not how I found it to work. What I found out is that he brings people in your life who can see those things and they'll point them out to you, which kind of leaves us, To the second thing is it's also vital to surround yourself with people, with Christ followers, who have not only the permission and the right, but the obligation to point out that stuff. I'm blessed to have some people in my life, including Pastor Eric, Pastor Charles, uh, my wife, some other close friends of mine as well too, who when they see something in my life where, where they're like, hey, you know, I saw you, I heard you say this, I saw you look at this, you know, I saw you post this, like, what in the world's going on there? Do you have anybody in your life who, one, has that right, but also that obligation to do that? And then how will you react when they they do it? Because here's how I usually react, right? I want to deny it, I want to justify it, or I want to blame it on somebody else. Well, yeah, I said that, but I wouldn't have had to say that if they hadn't done this, right? No, 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 that's not how it works. Put people in your life who are willing to tell you the difficult things And who you're willing to listen to. And even if you think they're wrong, accept their advice because that's how you're being experienced by them and by others. Proverbs says this. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. I would rather be wounded by those who want the best for me than to be in a relationship with people who are making a mess of their lives. And they too are people pleasers and they won't say anything to me. I want somebody in my life who loves me enough to hurt my feelings if it brings me closer to Christ and makes me a more loving person. So are you willing to slow down so that you are able to hear from God and from other people through prayer and through his word and through accountability? Which is difficult because to slow down, sometimes we have to say no. I have found that life with God takes some margin. Is is there room in your life for God to speak to you or is your life so consumed because you've said yes to everything out of a fear of disappointing others? One of the most valuable phrases I have learned lately and it's five words is this, I'm sorry, I'm not available. And I want you guys to say it. Ready, let's do this. I'm sorry, I'm not available. One more time. I'm sorry, I'm not available. Doesn't that feel good? Man, because sometimes I feel like somebody maybe asked something of us and, and we really don't want to do it, but out of a fear of pleasing them, you know, we just say yes. And sometimes I think we say yes because we're like, well, I don't really have a good reason to not say yes, but you know, it's really not great for our family and I've got so much stuff going on. All you have to do is say, I'm so sorry, I'm not available. I'm not able to do that right now. You don't owe anybody an answer because what I found is that when you say that and you free up some margin in your life, maybe some free time, some space, that gives God an opportunity. But if you're so consumed, you know, if you're like me where you, you wake up in, bed in out of bed in the morning and it feels like it's just full throttle all day long and it's just go, 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 I wonder sometimes if God really has any space to work in my life. The third and Final way that Paul addresses people-pleasing is this, it keeps us from speaking the truth. Going back to 2 Thessalonians, it says, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. If you live to be a people-pleaser, it can keep you from speaking the truth. And that could include sharing the gospel with others telling people about your faith telling people about your your story with Jesus because we're afraid of you know what if they what if they reject it what if they think I'm like a weird religious person or whatever now I'm not saying that there's there's not some good ways and some bad ways to go about that but does that are you afraid of that or does it make you be quiet when you know a close friend is going down the wrong path and you don't really want to say anything because you know you don't want to hurt their feelings Maybe it means hiding the truth from your spouse when really they're the most important person who should know those things and can help you with those things. Or it could mean not sticking up for your friends because you're worried about how others will respond. There's a pastor, John Piper, and he says it this way, the fear of man can immobilize us when we should take action and gag us into silence when we should speak. So in order order to avoid this, we have to speak the truth in love, but make sure you speak the truth. Here in, at the church and our staff, we have this thing called five percent conversations. If somebody comes up to you and they're like, "Hey, can I, can I, you know, have a five percent conversation with you?" It's going down. All right. Here's the concept: is that sometimes if we have to have a difficult conversation with somebody, we'll go nine, we'll tell them ninety five percent of the truth, right? But maybe we'll withhold that last five percent because We don't want to hurt their feelings, we don't want to make the conversation awkward, but the reality is that last 5% usually is the thing that you need to say, that needs to be said. Last week, after I preached in Norwalk, I had two 5% conversations with two different young men that day. And I'll tell you what, going into it, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I can say what I felt like God is calling me to say, because... You know, one of them, I was going out to lunch, and I'm like, what if we have to sit there the rest of the lunch and like, try not to be awkward about this thing that I just said to them? But here's what I found that happened, is after I talked to both of them, they both said the, th- the same thing. Thank you, Joe. They were grateful that I was willing to show them that I cared enough about them that I was willing to hurt their feelings if it meant pointing them back to Jesus and helping them to be better. And so... So are you willing to have those 100% conversations with people that you know you need to have a 100% conversation with? You know, who's somebody in your life that you've wanted to talk to about Jesus but you haven't because you're afraid of it? You know, there's been people in my life where I've prayed literally for years that God would save them. And then my wife called me out one time. She was like, well, you pray about this all the time. Do you ever do anything about it? Maybe you've been praying that God would bring someone into so and so's life to to tell them about the gospel, and God is saying, but you're already there. Who's someone in your life who is maybe doing some damage to you or to others or to themselves, but you don't say anything? You don't go 100% because you don't want to rock the boat. Speak to them in love, but make sure you share the truth. Because when we do, It will show that we ourselves are on the road to recovery from our desire to please other people. And one last thing I want you to remember is that even Jesus didn't please everyone. It says that he came to his own people and even they rejected him. Jesus lived to please his father, not to others. Not to please others. And so you might be there here today or you might be listening online and you're thinking, okay, why why though? Why would I do this? Well, Do you want to be free? Because Jesus loved you and I so much that he was willing to come here to our world and to live a life, a humble life, a life in obedience to the Father. And even so, he died a criminal's death on the cross in place for you and for me to forgive us of the things that we've done, to forgive us of our sins. And he came back to life so that we could be set free from the bondage of sin, the bondage of death, and included in that is the bondage, the trap of trying to please other people. Jesus came so that you could be free. John 8, 36 says that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that includes the freedom from living for the approval of other people. Let me pray for us. Father, I come to you as a hypocrite, as someone who can easily say these things and yet not easily do these things. And God, I know that I'm not alone in that. And so I pray for myself and for everyone here. I stand before you on behalf of this church, and I plead with you that through your spirit that you would give us the power to trust these words, to trust your word, and then to put them in action. God, so that we can be free. Free from the power or free from the power of having to try to please other people and free to live in light of your love and your grace and your approval of us because of who Jesus is. We thank you in your name. Amen. Thank you so much.